Well, once again, so good to see everybody out here this morning. Isn't this just a great day? Amen. And what amazing gift the Lord has given us, allowing us to worship out here. Beautiful weather. Not too hot, not too cold. Water may be a little chilly. We'll see about that. Can't promise anything there. Just by way of announcement, as a reminder for all of those, um, we are taking two weeks off of our midweek studies and so on and praise and prayer over the next two weeks, and then we're going to have our fall kickoff. I think the date on that is September 13th. Is that right? Is that the Wednesday? September 13th will be our fall kickoff. So next two Wednesdays, we won't be gathering together. I encourage you to spend that time with your family. Take that opportunity to praise and prayer with your family on this coming Wednesday night. If you're visiting with us here today, a special welcome to all of you. I am Pastor Mike. I'm lead pastor at Church of Hope. We're excited that you've chosen to worship with us here today. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 18. I want to focus on a passage of scripture where Jesus was talking to a rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler came as a, what appeared to be a true seeker. He asked a very astounding question, a question that every single person on the planet should be asking. He asked the question, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What good thing do I need to do to inherit eternal life? This is a great question. Number one in your handout that you have with you here today is the call. It's interesting that this man would call Jesus a good teacher and Jesus responded to that right away and he says, why do you call me good? There's only one who's good and that's God. Two things that he was doing with that. Number one, he was affirming the fact that he truly was God. Secondly, he was confronting him with the reality that you don't know what's truly good. You think you know what's good, but you don't really know what good is according to God's standards. You compare yourselves with other people. You compare yourselves to what our culture today would say is truly good. And yet God is telling us you need to compare yourself to God, actually. You need to meet God's standards for that which is truly good. And Scripture is really clear about this. It says in Romans uh, chapter 3 that there is none who does good, not even one. His understanding and his idea of his perspective on what was truly good was off. He thought that there could be somewhat of a blemish as long as your good deeds outweigh most of your bad deeds, as long as you try to do well and you try to do good, then certainly you're going to make it. And yet Jesus was confronting him with this reality that there is none good except for God, affirming again that he was truly God but also bringing out this reality that all of us are sinners in need of a Savior. Do you believe that today? We're all sinners in need of a Savior. There's none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the call that's given to him here, which he highlights, where immediately he takes him to the Ten Commandments and he begins to show him God's standards. Show him what truly is necessary in order to 
inherit eternal life. But the reality is, is not one of us has ever kept the Ten Commandments perfectly. And so we're all guilty people. And at the end of this whole passage, he gives him this call. And here's the call. The call is this. This is the call that God is making to everyone. That He is God. That there's nothing greater than Him. And it's a call to leave all else and follow Christ. Maybe you've never heard that before because many times when the gospel is explained, it's, it's, it's promoted this way. Just pray a sinner's prayer. Just pray this prayer. And if you pray this prayer and you, and you really mean it in your heart somehow, that something superstitiously <laughs> happens and, and, you, and, and, and you become a Christ follower. But if you study Scripture for any amount of time at all, you, you won't read. And Now, don't get me wrong here today. I think plenty of people have prayed a prayer to receive Christ, and they've received Christ. But I'm saying it's become a gimmick that is used so often, and yet you won't find it anywhere in Scripture. The Scripture doesn't talk about a sinner's prayer that somebody needs to pray in order to come to Christ. Here's how Scripture defines it. Leave all and follow Christ. You've you got to lay everything else aside and make Jesus the number one priority in your life or you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. He's worthy enough that, that everything else, that this guy happened to be wealthy, Jesus says, you want to come follow me? Go sell everything you have, give to the poor and come follow me. You'll have great treasure in heaven. And the man was unwilling to do that. He was sorrowful because it said he had great wealth. And you know what the problem was? Wealth was his God. Wealth was his God. And Jesus will never receive that kind of worship. Jesus will only receive the worship where he is number one on the throne and is being followed that way. And do you see this throughout? Throughout the Gospels, as Jesus would call people and say, you come and follow me. And it was interesting, they would leave everything and go and follow Christ. This is a call, this is the biblical call that is given to us. Repent of all of your sins and trust in Christ and His finished work alone and you'll be saved. That's the call that's given. Well, the disciples hear about this and they're, they're scratching their heads because Jesus says something interesting right after this man walks away sorrowful because he had much wealth and he wasn't willing to lay down his wealth to, to, in place of Christ. And so he walks away sorrowful. And Jesus makes a statement how hard it is. How difficult it is for those who trust in riches to come into the kingdom of God. He says, in fact, it would be easier for a camel, imagine with me, Jesus' analogy that he gives here. He says, in fact, it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to come into the kingdom of God. Immediately the disciples are like, what in the world? If the rich people can't get into the kingdom of God, then who can get in? Who then can be saved? That's a question that they ask. Who then can be saved? Well, number two in your handout, I love that Jesus answers that question. If you look at verse 24, when Jesus saw 
that he became very sorrowful. He said how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it then said, well, who can be saved? And he said, the things that are impossible with men are, help me out, church, possible with God. It was supposed to be an impossibility. It was set up that way so that we would see it as the impossibility that it truly is. How, who then can be saved? That is a great question. And I want to let you in on something here today. The second point in our handout is the miracle. It would be impossible for any single person to ever be saved, humanly speaking. There's not one person on the planet that would be saved if it depended upon us. Not one person who would be allowed in. Why? Because no one has ever met the criteria that is needed in relation to the law of God and the commands of God. No one has ever kept that perfectly. Well, there was one who did, and his name was Jesus Christ. He's painting this picture here so that we would see the impossibility, we'd feel the weight of the impossibility of ever coming to Christ on our own. He says, I know. Who then can be saved? Well, with man it would be impossible. There's no one who's getting into the kingdom of God left to themselves. And friends, that's why there's only one true religion. There's only one way into the kingdom. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. This is the only way to the Father. Unless one comes through me, Jesus says, they'll never enter the kingdom of God. Because lest to oneself, based on the question that's asked here, who then can be saved, the answer would be no one. It would be an impossibility. That's why all of the other world religions that are trying to find a way to God through many different schemes, many other plans, many other steps. Here's how we can know that they're false. And they'll never offer life. It's because that is impossible for man. But that which is impossible for man is possible with God. He has accomplished the work that needed to be accomplished so that all those who call upon His name can be saved can be set free. Trusting in anything else is a false hope that will not produce eternal life. It's an absolute miracle that takes place. Salvation is a work of God. God draws a sinner to Himself, adopts them into His family, and then He makes them holy. He allows them to get a glimpse of the reality of how worthy He is. How worthy he, uh, that He is that that we, would, that we would leave all to follow Christ. That we would lay everything aside saying, not, with, not begrudgingly, not thinking we're getting the raw end of the deal, but truly seeing Him as amazing and saying He's worth it all. I'll gladly lay aside all of the things that this world may have to offer that would get in the place of Christ, that would try to compete with the place that Christ deserves in my life. First place. To be at the center of absolutely everything. God opens up people's eyes so they see that as a tremendous privilege and a blessing. 
to be able to be a part of the kingdom of God and truly treasure Christ. Anyone who comes to God, let me say this here this morning, anyone who comes to God comes as a result of His mercy and grace that saves them. That's it. Anybody who comes to Christ comes to Christ based on His mercy, based on His grace, based on His kindness that draws them to Himself. It's a true miracle that takes place. That's why Scripture uses terms like new birth. That's a good one to ask people, by the way. A lot of times you, you might ask people if they're a Christian. Oh, I don't know if you've noticed, but most everybody thinks they're a Christian. Ask somebody if they've been born again. You experience the newness of life that only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Has He changed your nature? Has He given you a new nature? Born again. That's, these are biblical terms that Scripture uses. And number three in your handout, the reward. When, G, when, when, when Jesus says that that which is impossible with men is possible with God, then Peter says, see, we have left all to follow you. So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one. This is an incredible promise. What assurance Jesus is giving us here today to tell us that he is worth it all and that he's worthy of it all. Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brother or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God. Whatever the cost may be, Whatever it is that God would call you to leave behind, the cost is never too great. When it all boils down, it's not even a sacrifice. They shall not, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come, eternal life. That's God's promise. That was his promise to his apostles. He's saying, listen, I'm worth it. I'm, I'm worthy of it. In this life, you will experience me and on into the next life, eternal life that will never, ever cease. It will never, ever end. This is the promise. This is the hope. You may ask here today, what is eternal life? According to John 17, eternal life is knowing God, the Father, and His Son, whom His Father sent. Eternal life begins now when you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, and you are born again, you are made new. Your past, present, future sins are all buried and covered by the blood of the Lamb. You stand before Jesus Christ now based upon His work, justified, cleansed. None of it ever to be held against you, Ever. And the judge adopts you into his family, takes you home, and calls you his son and calls you his daughter. What a hope, what a reality. And you get to know him. It's an intimate word, knowing him. It's not just knowing facts about him, it's truly knowing him as Savior as Lord over your life.
First John tells us that if we that we love God because He first loved us. He made the first move toward us. He called us to Himself. Do you ever stop and think about the love of God towards you? Maybe you've been walking with God for a long time. Do you ever stop and contemplate? I guarantee you, if we would do this on a regular basis, Christianity would never be boring for us. It would never be mundane. Contemplate the love of God towards His children, towards you. The creator of the entire universe loves us. If you need help with this, read Romans chapter 8 and meditate on it. Read Ephesians chapter 3 where Paul is praying for the saints in Ephesus and he's asking that God would show them the height, the depth, the length to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge even. Loved by God. This is the reality of what's taking place in our hearts. And then everything from that point on is simply the expression, it's simply the overflow, the love of Christ flowing out of us. Those that are being baptized today are saying in this outward expression of an inward change, Jesus is better than everyone and everything. That's what they're saying to us here today. Is that we have come to find that Jesus is better than anyone and everything. He truly is Savior and Lord, and I am following Him. Both now, today, for the rest of my life, and on into eternity, that's never, ever going to end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the call. We thank you for the miracle that you accomplish. We thank you for the reward that is only found in you. I ask that you would continue your work in all of our hearts. May Jesus be honored today. May Jesus be lifted high. May he be glorified above everything else. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.